This is the Hockey News Fantasy Podcast with Matt Larkin. Hello, everybody. It's Matt Larkin here. I'm very happy to welcome you back to the Hockey News Fantasy Podcast. It's been almost a year, I think, since we've done this. It feels like five years, but it's back. It's going to come to you bi-weekly. I'm going to be taking your fantasy questions, giving you advice. I'm very thrilled to be doing this again. I'm thrilled to be playing in a fantasy pool again. So let's get started. And of course, I'm going to give you the disclaimer, as I do during these COVID times. If you hear strange noises in the background, it's my two children. They are in the house and they may try to interfere. Who knows? It'll be fun, maybe, if it happens. So if it happens, I apologize, but maybe it won't. We'll see. And let's get started, okay? This is what we did last year. I always gave advice to you guys. I wanted to give you different types of pickups for different types of contexts because no two leagues are the same. There are some leagues that are, you know, 10 teams, really small rosters, and you're going to watch shallow league pickups. There are some teams that are really intense, 20 teams, rosters of 30. So I'm going to give you a pickup for every type of league size, okay? We're going to start with a shallow league pickup, and it's Mackenzie Blackwood. And again, if you're saying, well, Mackenzie Blackwood, that's not, that's an obvious pickup. I know, that's why it's for a shallow league, okay? He's available, according to Yahoo, in 32% of leagues. And to me, as soon as Corey Crawford retired, my antenna went up because I knew volume-wise, that's a big opportunity for Mackenzie Blackwood. And he's already delivering early on. He's playing great. And the crazy thing is, you know, you think of Mackenzie Blackwood as a guy who's on a bad team, but in standard Yahoo leagues, he was the 14th ranked goalie of the year even on a bad Devils team last year. They've gotten much better defensively. They've brought in Sammy Vatten and uh, Dimitri Kulikov, Ryan Murray. So I think there's even potential for better rate stats for Blackwood. And I know the Devils love him. I was talking to Marty Broder in the offseason and just the preparation that Blackwood has put in and how much his teammates really love him. I think the organization has really rallied behind Blackwood. They consider him their guy. So that's a great pickup for shallow leagues. If we're looking for a medium league pickup, I want you to grab Devin Taves, the Colorado Avalanche. He's available in 51% of leagues. Uh, already he had our attention when we found out he was going to be playing with Kale McCart, and that's happening already. In the most recent Avalanche game, we saw Taves playing 25-plus minutes, which really got my attention. He's not in the top power play because that team is so talented, but he's getting power play two-time, and I think on Colorado, that's still valuable. And we know Devon Taves, Devin, Devon, people call him different things. I think he's Devin. Ryan Kennedy calls him Devon, who knows? Uh, but I think He's going to get enough opportunities. We know that he's a great puck mover as well. And it was a shame for the Islanders to have to lose him. He was a cap casualty. He's Colorado's game. He should be your fantasy team's game as well if you play in a medium-sized league. In a deep league now, okay, this is really deep. Carter Verhagen, the Florida Panthers, he's available in 97% of leagues. And that's crazy to me because he's playing on a top line. He's playing with Alexander Barkov and Anthony Duclair. He's got two goals already. This is a former AHL scoring champ. And I get vibes, you know, even the fact that he came from the Lightning organization to the Panthers, it feels like this could be Jonathan Marcheseau all over again. Kind of a guy who slips through the cracks because the Lightning are so stacked. And on Florida, he has a much better opportunity. He's already looking like he belongs on a scoring line there. So I want you to add him. And I'm going to introduce a new category, okay? This is for... I'm going to call this the WTF category. There's just guys that, you know, I don't know what these leagues are. I don't know how this player is available, but if you're in this league, you should be able to win it easily. Jack Hughes is available in 34% of Yahoo leagues, which is absolutely crazy to me. We know his peripherals last year. We saw he was the unluckiest rookie forward in the NHL. He had the lowest shooting percentage among all qualified rookie forwards. He had a long off season to bulk up. 
We know the talent's there. He's still so young. And now here he is tied for the league, scoring lead. And again, it, it sounds crazy for me to be giving you advice, pick up Jack Hughes, but 34% of leagues, people have not picked up Jack Hughes. So pause this podcast if you're listening or watching and go at him right now because he's going to be an impact player. And especially in Dynasty Leagues, of course, for years to come. And before we get to our questions, of course, we're going to get, have a lot of questions. I, I want to introduce another new category, just the tip of the week. I want to give you a little tip. It's nothing specific. It's more just, I hope, I hope sage advice on something to do, just a general philosophy. Okay. And one I want you to consider is saving your waiver priorities if you haven't used it already for this time of year. Because in the first few weeks, I call it the emotional gym. You see teams every year, every league, somebody is going to make a rash decision and drop a player that should never be dropped. And if you have that high waiver priority, you can snatch them. The example I can give you in my league, it was Timo Meyer last year. Somebody dropped Timo Meyer. I was mad. My waiver priority wasn't high enough. Someone snagged him. A couple of years ago in one of my leagues, someone dropped Vladimir Tarasenko. I had the top priority. I added him. I won the league. You got a free you know, top four round type of player. So it's going to happen. It just happened. I don't know what it is, but people get emotional, especially in a head to head league. So if your team took a big beating, you're angry and you drop a guy. And that's when you swoop in if you have that high waiver priority. So now we're going to get to some questions. We have producer Steven here to help me out. He's going to read the various questions that have been submitted. Thank you so much. I got a lot of really good ones from everyone that I, when I took a look and uh, let's get it started. Producer Steven, what's going on, man? Hit me with some questions, baby. Well, first off, I just picked up Jack Hughes in my pool because uh, no one picked him. See, the thing is, in my pool, I'm in a, my, my main one, I'm in a four-team thing. So, obviously, the quality of players are pretty good. But my centers were McKinnon, Pedersen, Sebastian Ajo, and Mika Zabinajed. Well, Zabinajed's been hurt a couple times, but I, I think I didn't have room to, to get Hughes. So, I, I dropped one of my goalies. I had three Russian goalies in Vasilevsky, Samsonov, and Shesterkin. So, I dropped Shesterkin, picking up Hughes, and I'm using him as trade bait specifically. And then I'm going to go try to pick up another goalie. So uh, that's my plan. Anyways, we'll start with Austin Gagne. So in a points only wins shutout keeper league, how would you rank the up and coming goalies? Samsonov, Hart, Shesterkin, Blackwood, Sorokin, Demko, et cetera, and, and include anyone else you think is notable. Okay. Yeah. I, I uh, so I took a look at this question in advance. I wanted to be able to, to kind of think about my rankings and I've come up with them. Uh, I have Carter Hart first. Because just the situation, the pedigree's there. We, he, he was long considered one of the best goalie prospects in the world. And the Flyers, they're just set up to be good for a long time. They have good veterans. They have good young players. They have a good young defense. I just love everything about the situation. So I think Carter Hart's going to be a top-notch fantasy goalie for years to come. I have Ilya Samsonov, number two, for similar reasons. We know he's got the elite pedigree first-round pick, and he plays on a team that's really competitive. I know that Samsonov's off to a, a little bit of a shaky start, but small sample size doesn't worry me at all. The Capitals were confident enough in him to let Braden Holby walk as, as a free agent. So Samsonov's my number two guy. I actually, I was just in a, my new my keeper league because of COVID. We reset our entire rosters. We did a brand new draft. I had my second round pick. I wanted a goalie. Carter Hart was gone. I chose Ilya Samsonov. He's my, my pillar. I have Igor Shesterkin third. I think Shesterkin is tremendously talented. I love what he brings to the table as well. I think he's going to be a Vezina caliber goalie for a long time in the league when he hits his peak. I just have him slightly lower than the first two because the Rangers are still working out the kinks defensively. I don't know 100% that Shesterkin is going to be a great source of rate stats early on. He did it last year, but I think he was overcoming a really difficult workload. I have Thatcher Demko fourth. I think, I think that's higher than some people might have guessed because he's sharing that with Braden Holtby, but we know that's a short-term contract that Braden Holtby should signed i think he's very likely to be a candidate to get claimed in the expansion draft we know that the canucks still view demko as their long-term starter so i, I think demko is going to have value especially in a keeper league redraft lead right now not so much 
but he, it's going to get there. Ilya Sorokin, similar thing to Demko. He's sharing the net with Semyon Varlamov, but the pedigree is elite. There's so many good Russian goaltenders. It's unbelievable right now. And I think that Ilya Sorokin in time is going to get that net long-term. He's sharing it for now, but based on Varlamov's age and the fact that the Islanders, they, they committed to Sorokin. They're giving him money. They let Thomas Grice walk. And I think that Sorokin is going to get his chance long-term. And I have Blackwood next on that list. Nothing against Mackenzie Blackwood. As I said earlier, I, I really like him right now. He's my recommended pickup. But just based on team situation, where the Devils are in the rebuild, general pedigree, Blackwood is not as elite as the other guys that I mentioned. So I would rank him at the bottom of the list. And in terms of other examples, I, I didn't think as much off the top of my head uh, in terms of you know, who else to look at. I think maybe you could consider a guy like Uko Pekka Lukanen in Buffalo because the competition in that net is not really fierce. There aren't many guys when, when they decide he's ready, I think that he's going to get a good chance to start maybe as early as next year. The pedigree is there for him as well. So that's another kind of sleeper if you're in a league where you can really stash guys that are still in the minors. So that's one more guy to consider. Let's go to the next question. All right, and this one is from headstrong master when i hear that all i can think of is the song headstrong by trapped which is the only song that band has ever been known for and he says in a shorter season are there any different strategies you use to help win that'd be different in full length nhl seasons and obviously it's going from 82 to 56 it definitely makes a challenge so i want to ask you steven uh, on a scale of one to ten before i answer this question how, how bad is the baby crying in the background Give me a, give me a number at a one to ten because my, my two month old is crying right now. Uh, give I, me a number. I'd say it's a f- three or four. Okay, so if I just talk loudly enough, then maybe I'll drown it out. I, I will I will try <laughs> to. I apologize. Uh, so in a, in a short season, I would say yes, absolutely. There are strategies that you can use, and I do, and I did this in my baseball league because, of course, this is the first time we're trying in hockey with this COVID circumstance because the regular season and fantasy pools didn't really happen when the league shut down, but it did happen in baseball. We had the short season, and I went in. I was the defending champion, just saying, and I decided to go in with a really specific different strategy, and it was to play very aggressively, to, to kind of evaluate players quicker, be crazy and spastic with waiver wire pickups, really churning the bottom of the roster and almost playing every match as if it's the playoffs, and just really treating the season as a sprint, which you should. And don't hold on to slumping guys as normal as long as you normally would. And guess what? I won that baseball league. I think largely because I played that way. That is how I'm going to play in my hockey league this year. And I think you should play that way as well. Alrighty. Our next question comes from Zach. And I want to say Ayers21. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. But he says, how much trust should I have with Elias Sorokin? He's obviously a good goalie, but for a small season, it's tough to figure out what to do with him. And I and obviously, like Varlamov, we know what he's capable of in that net, which means he's going to be taking some starts away. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, and it's tough because I had Varlamov on, on my not bust list, but players I, I wanted to avoid based on his average draft position because I was betting on Sorokin to take the job. But then, of course, what does Varlamov do? He comes out and has a crazy hot start with the shutouts. Uh, so I'd say medium trust in Sorokin. Big time trust in a keeper league. Medium trust right now because of that timeshare situation. And the fact that Varlamov is starting hot, if Sorokin's going to take the net, it's that's probably going to delay the process, right? It's going to stay in that 50-50 split. The good news is I'm confident that Sorokin's going to have good rate stats because of the Islanders, their coaching tree. You have Mitch Korn as the director of goaltending and Piero Greco as the goaltending coach. And it's gold. No matter who tends, tends net for the Islanders these days, they have good numbers. And then you're 
talking about a guy like Sorokin who could have good numbers with bad coaching. So you're taking a great goalie, putting him in a great coaching situation on a team that does a really good job limiting chance quality. I think he's going to have really good rate sets. So if you, if you have a league that has save percentage, goals against average, Sorokin's still going to be pretty valuable. If your league is sort of skewing heavily toward volume, it's going to still take time. And I think you can't you can't make Sorokin your number one. He's got to be maybe your number two or bench guy for now. But I still think you don't drop him unless you have to, unless you don't have a bench, because he's a super high upside. I call him a league winner in terms of the upside, especially if there is an injury to Varlamov or something, and Sorokin instantly becomes, I think, a top 10 goalie at worst. All right, this question comes from Jeff Gordon, not to be confused with the New York Rangers GM or the former NASCAR driver. Well, you know, it could be the GM, you know, it's got the same spelling, but what's your preferred fantasy format for a league? Yeah, and I do have a preferred fantasy format. I've been playing in the same main league for almost 20 years now. I think this might be our 20th season. So we've really been experimenting and trying to perfect for a long time. And I think we've done it, you know, just to not be modest about it. You know, we put a lot of time into it. And we've got a combination again. We have goals and assists, plus minus, plus minus. You know, it's not a stat that we care about much in in the real world anymore. But you, there's no Corsi in fantasy pools, so it's the closest thing you can get to reflect quote unquote defense. Uh, we have shots, we have hits, we have blocks, power play points. We give a lot of goalie categories. We have we have wins, we have saves, goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts. So basically, with that configuration, what we're trying to do is equate real value so your stars are still your stars but what's really cool about it is you know just like in real life having an elite goalie helps you in this league and also role players matter so like if you're you could be in a playoff matchup and you're like you know we got to lay the body and we need to get more physical so you add like matt martin and he helps you win a match and it's like you know we we got we we turned our line and we made a change and we became a more physical team so it's kind of things you'd see people saying in real life which is why we do it so you and and our league is pretty deep the rosters i think are you know we have 18 skaters something like that and what I love about it in this format is that there are multiple ways to win. You could go for an all out offense team with a lot of scores and you know, you're winning the shots category, power play points, goals, assists, or you go with the defensive team, you're winning hits and blocks and you've got, you know, you use two picks early on goalies and you have a totally different team identity. So I love that fun factor. And I think the realism factor that comes with it. And I recommend that you try that format as well. Mine will always be salary cap leagues, but it seems like that's just a pain in the butt to actually make happen. I, I once did that where it was all completely manual in Excel, and that was fun for about three days. And then when you realize when like Evgeny Malkin and Jerome McGinla back when like in their prime were just not getting picked, it's like, well, got a bit of a problem there. All right, mm -hmm. this is from Pongy Gaming. I like that name. Shesterkin or Kudobin for the rest of the season with the categories being wins, goals against average, and save percentage. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a tough one because two of those categories are rate sets. So I understand, you know, there could be temptation to actually lean toward Kadoba because the, the, even though Shesterkin, as I said, great numbers in a small sample size, the Rangers defense is still a work in progress. But the problem is you could back Kadoban and he, you're going to get screwed because you're going to lose your goalie. Maybe just in time for the fantasy playoffs. We know that Ben Bishop is going to come back. The timeline is, you know, late March, early April something like that. So you could be backing Kadobin as your guy and then he's gone. You, like, unless you can handcuff him with Ben Bishop as well. If that's the case, if you could have both, maybe you go Kadobin. But I think you have to go with the guy who's entrenched as the starter, Shesterkin. He's going to be a better source of wins. The other thing too is I'm worried about the Dallas Stars. It's not even just because of the COVID outbreak. They couldn't add anything in the offseason to this team. They're an old team. They have no Tyler Sagan as well. So I, I just don't know if the team in front of Kadobin is going to be as effective as it was last year as well. So to me, if you add up all those reasons, I'm more of a Shesterkin guy. Obviously, in a, in a dynasty league, keeper league, it's no contest. All right, this question comes. It's another goalie question. A lot of goalie ones this week. Uh, Stephen Vey asks, which goalies 
are who are likely on the waiver wire do I want to add? Yeah, great question. Important this time of year because it can really make a difference down the road. Uh, I already mentioned Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, I would be looking to stash, stash uh, Thatcher Demko. I've noticed his ownership level is only about, it's in the, I think it's like 52%, something like that. So people are obviously disappointed in the split with Braden Holtby so far. They're maybe jumping off the Demko bandwagon, but I still think Demko, they view him as a long-term starter. And I think he's one, you know, one big Braden Holtby slump away from the Canucks being like, okay, Hopefully you can be our backup now. We're going to commit to Demko. And if they do, we saw it in the playoffs last year, what he's capable of. And that wasn't a fluke. In terms of, you know, it's not like he's going to have, you know, the greatest goalie numbers of all time nonstop. But the fact that he was dominant, that part of it was not a fluke. Going back to his days in Boston College when he was picked, I think it was early second round by the Canucks. His pedigree was always elite. He was always supposed to be a star. They were drafting him to be a star. And if he was becoming a star, I don't consider that a fluke because that was always the projection. So I love Demko as a stash. If, if you have room for him, if you can't trust him right now as a starter in the 1B role or 1A, you know, it seems, it's, it's unclear. It might be truly a 50-50 split. But if you have room to stash him, he could really make a difference for you down the road and maybe be a playoff superstar for your team down the stretch. One more guy to consider before I give, you, give it back to Stephen is Casey DeSmith. So Tristan Jari is off to a terrible start and I'm not bailing on Tristan Jari, but I warn people about Tristan Jari and, and the fact that the Penguins went with him over Matt Murray, just because the sample size was small last year. He had a really great first half. He didn't have a great second half. So when you see him struggling now, you're, you have to wonder, is the pressure getting to him? And could someone like DeSmith be given a bigger role if it continues? I'm not sure, but again, if you have a deep bench, just throw DeSmith on there to find out, or especially if you're a Tristan Jari owner, you need to stash to Smith if you can to find out as well. I know there's going to be a question later about Jerry. I'll get into it a little bit more. Actually, it's the very next question. But before I do that, I'll also throw in a name that I've seen actually dropped in every single one of my pools, which is Elvis Merzlikens. Mm. Because Blue Jackets aren't looking so great right now. But I think we saw last year, he was kind of streaked at the beginning. He struggled. Give him time. He'll get back. He'll show why he was a star for a big portion of that season last year. Now, talking about Tristan Jari, A. Shane's 10 asks, I dropped Jari due to his bad performance. Is it too early? Should I pick him back up or is it too late? Yes, go get him right now. Pick him back up. I know it's been ugly and it sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I was just dissing Jari's fantasy value. But just because I'm worried about him doesn't, think, doesn't mean I don't think he has value right now. Actually, I think I ranked him as a top 10 fantasy goalie going into the season because of his opportunities. And, and dating last year, dating back to last year, the Penguins became a much better defensive team. Uh, so he, he's got a good defense, I think, playing in front of him. And the fact that, they, that, that Jim Rutherford decided to trade Matt Murray and keep Jari. Clearly the Penguins are believing in Jari. They're committed to him. That means they're not going to give up on him quickly. So just based on opportunity and on a team that theoretically should be a competitive team, even though it's a very tough division, I know. Uh, I just think you have to try and ride Jerry a little bit longer. If you have a bench, you can consider if you're worried about him, bench him for a little bit. If you don't have a bench, I still wouldn't give up on him yet. Maybe you consider trading him, you know, as, as someone who's, who's a Penguins fan or who's less worried about him, but he's not a drop. He has too much value to drop. And I think if I was in a league where, where Tristan Jerry got dropped, I talked about that waiver priority thing earlier, I'm pouncing. You got to go in and grab a goalie that has that big of an opportunity to be a top 10 goalie. All right. This is a question from someone using the pizza pizza phone number, uh, B Bumpkin. Uh, guys like Zegris, Byfield, Turcotte, Drysdale, worth holding on to this year? Any chance we see them make the lineup as regulars? And obviously this would be for uh, a keeper league. Yes. And, and I know it's funny. I keep mentioning ben, mentioning uh, bench space a ton, but this is why context matters. It's all about your league configuration. All the advice I give, 
I'll always be asking people for more details. What's your league configuration? Because that affects the advice I can give. But if you have bench space in your leagues, then absolutely stash the heck out of these guys. Or even if you have, you know, I know a lot of them carry the NA tag. If you're allowed in your league rules to stash a guy in the NA, do it. Because obviously the value, the potential gain for these guys is big. Uh, Keeper league, especially. In, in terms of redraft league, um, I, I think Quinton Byfield has the most potential uh, for a short-term difference, uh, to make a short-term difference because he's possibly, just given his size and physicality, he might be a guy that, that uh, amasses a lot of hits. The, the tracking for hits at lower levels is not very good, so we don't really get a true sense of how how what his volume is going to be as a hitter. Like, is he going to be a Brady Kachuk type? But it's possible. So you could in Byfield. And, and if he if he can throw a lot of hits and generate a lot of shots, then he doesn't even have to score that much to be valuable in those leagues. And if he scores, that's a bonus. So I think he has the quickest path to fantasy value. In terms of the best bet to amass a lot of points and climb his depth chart quickly, I think it's absolutely Trevor Zegers. I'm disappointed that he didn't make the team. I thought he was ready to make the team. Uh, with Ryan Getzlaff aging out and, and Adam Enrique being kind of a low ceiling guy at this stage of his career. I don't think the path is that difficult for Zegers to pass as well, Sam Steele, to become their number one center. And I thought he was going to get a chance to do it even this year. Maybe he still will. And if he does, I think he's someone who could rack up a lot of assists, even as a rookie. So I would hang on to Zegers or stash him if you can. And in real life hockey uh, news, Julius Honka is on waivers right now. So that's, that's wow. potentially worth no. Former first round pick. No, no real fantasy value there, but that is a real fact that's happening. This question comes from David Hamlin. Is there a player that's off to a hot start right now that you're wary of long-term? Yeah, and it pains me to say it, but Bobby Ryan. Um, and I just picked up Bobby Ryan I'm, I'm in my league. Figured, well, I'll, I'll just ride this wave. But and, and, of course, it's a great story to see him getting sober and sort of putting his life together. And I remember when he won the Masterton, and I was on that Zoom call with him, and, and he sort of explained that, in a way, the COVID break, was was helpful for him because it gave the, the time for him to sort of sort out his sobriety with his family and I based on that I thought maybe you know he's gonna have a new lease on life and he's gonna play some of the best hockey he's played in a long time so the fact he's doing well it's not that it's that big of a surprise but I think he's got what four goals in three games he's 33 years old that's the thing people have to remember about Bobby Ryan even if he didn't have these demons in the past he's he's just past his prime so to me if this keeps up he's going to be a good sell high and, you know, maybe in a 56 game schedule, you know, if he gets 15 goals, that's a, that's a win. That's a great season for him, but he's not going to win the rocket Bashar with all due respect to Bobby Ryan. Great story, but sell high if you can. All right. Max Davidson asks, I know the trend is to see teams use their backups more often. Does that change how you tackle picking goalies for fantasy, knowing that workhorse goalies typically were good bets, but not, might not be anymore just solely from the volume of starts. Yes, it's a great question, and it absolutely changes the way I look at goalies uh, for multiple reasons. But overall, I, I think that goalies are just worth less in this climate because, on one hand, the top horses, the guys that you rely on in a full season, oh, you know, Braden Holtby back in the day starting 70 games, those guys play less, so their value comes down. And, you know, I did a study on this in, in the Hockey News magazine a couple years ago. The league set an all time record in 2018 19 for the most goalies who played 30 or more games. So, the load is being gradually shared, 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 shared. So now what you're getting, not only are the top horses not as valuable, there are more goalies who are valuable because there are more guys who play decent numbers of games, like 30 plus games, or if it's six game schedule, call it, you know, 20 games, whatever you want to call it. And now you have a system in which, you know, it's the days of like Scott Clemenson you know, behind Martin Berger, it's not that anymore. It's a ton of teams that have an actually fantasy usable 1B. So whether it's Merzlikens and Corpusala, which, you know, the 1B of that group or Demko and Holtby, as, as I mentioned, those guys 
you don't want them as your starter, but like they're rosterable or streamable. So based on all that, take all that information and put it together. I just think goaltenders are worth less now because you aren't getting as big of a return for picking an elite one. And there are just more guys you can add off the wire or with late picks that can help you. I would always pick Corey Crawford and Jimmy Howard just every year, just because I knew they were just going to get a ton of starts and were playing on teams that were good for so long. Also one name, Jake Allen, you know, he's, he played pretty good last night or in his last game. And, uh, that's a guy that's that's an interesting one just because he was one of the better backup goalies last year, but it is still Montreal. You got to take them. You got to take a grain of salt with the team a lot of the time, but still worth watching. Um, we got Sean Kaepernick and he asked, is there an underperforming defenseman I should consider as a sleeper? I play in a 16 team league and our D options are somewhat slim. And I like that he plays in such a big league. I play in a 20 team league and I know that's nuts, but 16, I like it. Yeah, yeah, deep leagues. Deep leagues is the way to do it. That'll that's what separates the the real players from the you know when someone's like, should I pick should I pick up Jack Hughes? It's like, what league are you playing in? Come on. Uh, but of course, of course, it's it, it, sixteen teams is good if all sixteen people are actually like playing and not just not touching their roster. Exactly, that's right. And so this this question is a bit paradoxical from Sean because you know under underperforming defenseman underperforming implies expectation of a good performance which means that, that that an underperforming defenseman isn't really a sleeper because it's more likely that he's a big name and if he wasn't a big name then he wouldn't be underperforming because there wouldn't be expectations if you're following me here okay so to me i'm going to name someone who's kind of in the middle who's still a bit of a name but is available in 60 percent of leagues so hopefully this is the type of recommendation you're looking for sean i'm going to say kevin shattenkirk okay because he's off to a slow start but just based on what anaheim has brought him in for you know, their power play was, I believe, 30th in the league last year. But off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure they were 30th. And when I saw they signed him, I, I thought, okay, he's they're bringing him in for a reason. He's going to be on the top power play. He's going to get a chance to, I think, have more value than he had with Tampa, where he was sort of a secondary option and a depth option. So even if it's a slow start, I just I, I think if the Ducks get their offense going, maybe if they call up Trevor Zegers, there's going to be a spark eventually. And I think Shattenkirk is going to be the beneficiary because – this is what he was signed to do. This is what he does best. If you're not using him on the power play, then why do you have him, right? So just based on role and, and just what his talents are, I think he's someone who, if he was dropped in a deep league, especially in a 16-team league, I, I would pick him up because I think he's going to get his points. All right, our last question here is from Joe Zed. He asks, or Joe Z, depending on where you're from. Uh, hey, Matt, do you have faith in Jordan Bennington getting the job done in St. Louis, or should I explore moving him now and looking elsewhere? Yeah, I, I would say that... I, I'll start by saying I think the Blues have faith because, you know, they traded Jake Allen, so they're committing to Bennington. Of course, he helped them win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I know he's got to get that that next contract figured out, but uh, I think based on his situation, he's still still set up very well. I still think the Blues in the long run are going to be a a very above-average team. They're going to be a good defensive team. What's interesting about Bennington is long-term value. We still don't really know who he is. He had that great first season, phenomenal first season. And then followed it up with like just an okay season. He kind of reminds me, it makes me wonder because this happened to Bennington. He was, I think, 26, right? He was a late bloomer. So it's like, is he going to be someone who becomes a legitimate star in this league? Or is he going to be kind of like a Jim Carrey, someone who kind of gets discovered late and then is a flash in the pan for a couple of years and then doesn't really amount to much? It's too early to know. Uh, but either way, you know, especially when you look at Billy Huso was pretty inexperienced and, you know, he was 
called into a game bad situation a few days ago and just got shelled. I felt bad for him. Uh, but overall, it's not like Huso is an experienced backup who's really breathing down Bennington's neck. I think a lot has to go wrong for Bennington for Huso to get a really long look, even though I think he's got some decent pedigree as well. So I just I just think based on that situation, even if I'm not totally bullish on Bennington being, you know, a top five goalie, I, I can't see him being out of the top 10 or 12 because he's playing on a good team and his situation is good. They're a good defensive team. They do a really good job eliminating shots. And even without Alex Pietrangelo, I still think the Blues are going to be above average defensively. So I'm, I'm still pro Bennington overall. And that's the last question, right, Stephen? That's it. All righty. Well, I hope you enjoyed it, everyone. It's great to be back doing this. And uh, again, we're going to be doing it every couple of weeks. And I'm going to introduce a, a new category next time as well. It's going to be called the starting lineup. And I'm going to challenge you on Twitter or Facebook or both to just think of any category of something in life. And I'm going to make a fantasy lineup. Uh, regarding that topic so it could be you know breakfast cereals it could be sylvester stallone movies whatever it can be anything it can be weird and i'm going to do it i'm going to make it into a starting lineup and that'll be a category we add next week hope you enjoyed this fantasy podcast and uh, it'll be back soon and good luck in your leagues